Are you guys ready up there? Alright. Alright, quiet on the set. Welcome to another episode of Adventures in Movies. My name is Nathaniel Muir, and I'm the movie editor at AIPT. Joining me on these ongoing adventures is the host who's always renovating the wheel. (laughs) That's me, Danny. Also joining us is uh, the host who has the right clippers for the dirty work. Oh, do I ever. Nice. Summer breeze! How are you guys doing? It is so hot here. Um... It's like in the 90s, but the humidity is horrible. Gross. Get out of here with that. I'm, you can keep that <laughs> shit over there in East Texas with you. No. It's been hot as shit, but it hasn't. Actually, yesterday was really nice. Uh, it was really nice yesterday. Super nice. But today is, today is warm, but dry, arid, nice and arid. It's a nice summer day. It's one of those things where you know your whole life you're like, well, at least it's a dry heat. And you're like, oh, I don't get that. It's still fucking hot. But uh, yeah. <laughs> Now I, I totally get it. I would much rather be in the dry heat than this. It totally wears you out. You just wear swim trunks like all the time because you know you're just going to be sopping wet all day. <laughs> well, you know what? A mystery whistle. I always wondered like uh, – what I always wondered. I see people walking around like in a heavy sweater and shorts. And I was like, oh, what the, What kind of outfit is that? Or or there's so many people who, walk, who are walking around with no shirts or, or very, very, very skimpily <laughs> dressed. <laughs> I get it now. I get it. And they were not exercising. They're just, you know, walking. But now, now I, I get it. You stand out on the porch here, and it's just the ugliest feeling. This week, uh, just just a brief follow up since we've been uh, following the the misadventures of AMC over the course of the past few <laughs> weeks. So uh, let's see. They went from hissy fit with Universal to uh, saying that they were going to close down because they have no more money. So uh, as of yesterday, uh, they're still in financial straits, but. It looks like they're going to be reopening in July. So I guess if they're the only – now, there is the one in El Paso. We, we uh, pinned that down last week. If it's the only one in El Paso that's open and they're showing some – they're showing Tenet, right? Would you make the trek to go and see it? To, yeah. At AMC? At AMC. Mm, no. No. Yeah, no. <laughs> I'm good. It's not that it's even a trek for me. Like I can, I can hop over the mountain in like 10 minutes. Not a big deal. I don't know. I, I was kind of reading about uh, another news story about, um, I guess, a different theater that opened up in a different part of the country, and about how kind of kind of uncomfortable the whole situation is. It's it's uh, right. the seating's very weird. Like you can't even really sit with the party that you came with. Um, you have to wear your mask the entire time. Like kind of like we were talking about last week. But yeah, I don't know. Right. The, the the whole proposition right now doesn't. It's not real enticing and. You know, it's been a few months now. I obviously, I haven't seen any like new new movies, but um, I've kind of gotten used to not going to the movies. Um, <laughs> but you know, I also haven't missed out on any like um, everything that was going to come out. They've delayed, so it's it's not like I was streaming Mulan or anything like that. But I guess I don't know. I, I really don't know. Like my 
opinion of AMC. I mean, I, I didn't care either way about them before, and I really don't care either way about them now. But um, I don't think we have one here in College Station. So um, if and when they open theaters, I don't think AMC will be an option for me either way. But, um, you know, you, you bring something up, Blake. I didn't even think about it. if you go to the movie. Because I just assume, like, cool, when the movie theaters are open, I will be go by myself. But that's not necessarily the case. <laughs> right. I didn't, even, I didn't even think about that. But I guess we'll continue to follow this story of um, AMC, and we'll see what happens to them next week in the trials and tribulations <laughs> of the American Movie Center. Or Tune in Netflix next Netflix. week. <laughs> Same bat time. So, so a, a teaser came out this weekend. It's good to say that too. It seems like we haven't had a, a new one in a while. I've been uh, teased Bill in a while, Taylor. man. I've been teased. Yeah, man. it's been a while. No one, no, one, I've I've been teasing myself, but uh, Hollywood has done nothing for me. <laughs> uh, Bill and Ted face the music. So, what did you guys think? Go, well, Danny. In a, in a surprising shock, I watched a trailer. I know. I'm, I'm actually impressed. I'm pr- I'm proud of you. Yeah, yeah. So I I think. Uh, now that Star Wars is over, I think I, I'm more entitled to watch trailers and be a little bit excited for it. And this, uh, this it's is titled. <laughs> you're, way too, you're way too young for the show if you use that word. That's very true, right? Uh, I feel uh, blessed to watch trailers. Uh, <laughs> Other tables I, of third. <laughs> I was actually excited about this. Like I, I've, I, I think like you know, seeing because all last year we talked about how great Keanu Reeves has been and uh, that his saga continues to be great. Uh, you know, Cyberpunk comes out in a couple of weeks or maybe already came out. I don't know how, you know, COVID has been weird. But uh, but now this, you know, we have the, the other thing, the other half of it as well, which is um, Bill and Ted Face the Music. And yeah, I'm excited. And then I realized that Keanu Reeves has aged so much and that made me sad a little bit. Oh, but... don't let that, come on. Come on. <laughs> of course I... he's aged. Yeah, but I wish he kept a beard, I think. And that's what makes me sad. Because I like I like Keanu Reeves with a beard. Ted Theodore and... Roosevelt. Or what's his name? Ted Theodore Roosevelt. <laughs> <laughs> what was his last Teddy, name? Esquire. Esquire. Esquire, yeah, whatever. No, I mean, definitely they've aged. Uh, yeah. And the... Well, and I'll say this. I, I, I knew that they were going to look old. So, I mean, I... I guess yeah, it is kind of shocking if the last thing you saw was uh, Bogus Journey. But... Uh, the, I what I was most concerned about was the actual plot of the whole thing, and mm-hmm. uh, it the little glimpse that they give you. I wanted it to be irreverent and dumb and pointless, just like the other two movies, and it totally looks like it, it is. Yeah, and it lives up. Yeah, and, and this I feel like besides you know feeling like a little bit sad of what's happening that you know we're all fra- fragile beings and we'll die one day, but. Um, <laughs> I feel like that's not a new that's not a new thing. We were all gonna die one day. Oh, you know, I just, I'm just real. I just realizing about this. Realizing about oh, this. you're so innocent, <laughs> such an innocent, sweet baby duck. <laughs> um, but yeah, I feel like it's fun. It, there's very few movies that could be as you know, you know. This is how many years has it since Bogus Journey? Like twenty, thirty. Close to thirty, yeah, it's got to be. But it, it feels like it's still following those same tra- like those same themes of being a pointless movie and just trying to be fun, like you know. And uh, I am, yeah, I'm. I I like what I saw. Yeah, it looks fun. It looks fun. Obviously, the the lack of George Carlin's gonna we're gonna miss George Carlin, but it looks yeah, good. yeah. Rufus was awesome, and uh, I stand by. No movie has 
ever done time travel better than the Bill and Ted <laughs> franchise. I agree. I completely stand by that un- unironically, I will say. That. <laughs> uh, <laughs> this past week, I saw a few movies. Um, I saw, so on Shudder right now, there's a South Korean horror movie called Warning Do Not Play. Uh, it, it sounds, uh, initially, it'll sound kind of familiar, but it goes off in some different and pretty cool directions. So it's about a young filmmaker who uh she's done really well on the festival circuit she's like a favorite so a studio signs her up and they want her to make a a movie so she decides she's going to make a horror movie um at this point she starts to experience writer's block um as she's kind of doing research into what to do she hears a legend urban legend about a horror movie that's screened at a festival on a on a university campus that was um uh, everyone who was involved with ended up dying, like uh, it, and supposedly it was directed by a ghost. So it's it kind of similar. By John Landis. <laughs> <laughs> um, the uh, so it, it's really cool. It's cool because you it, it's kind of similar to The Ring, and then uh, you think it's going to kind of be like a J horror type thing, but um, right off the bat, it's really different because what they do is uh, the way they build the characters is they have them throw around terms like. They mentioned like the uh, real like the uh, Bushan Film Festival, Fantastic Film Festival in South Korea. It's a real festival. They talk about like Christopher Nolan and Arrival, and they're they're, they're like film dorks, and they're talking about movies. So immediately you get an idea of what kind of characters you're going to get into, or you're going to be dealing with. But they don't like drown out the movie with that. It doesn't become annoying. It's just kind of a dressing on their characters. And then the once you get into the movie proper, it's really more of a mystery than a horror. Uh, there's hardly any jump scares or anything really scary until the final act, at which point it does get really, really scary. But yeah, the first two thirds are like a mystery almost. It's really well done. It's really cool. It does get a little convoluted because it is the plot is about a filmmaker trying to make a movie based on a movie she heard about. And that movie is a making of another movie. So it's a lot of layers in it. And it can get very confusing, but uh, it's really creepy. Uh, good performances, cool story. Um, it's on Shutter right now, so definitely, definitely check it out. Uh, warning: Do not play. Um, the other two movies that I saw, they fall under the uh, perfectly acceptable crap um, category. Uh, <laughs> Darkness Falls is uh, stars Gary Cole and Sean Ashmore. Uh, it's straight up like an episode of law and order, but, um, a very star studded two parter. Um, it's, um, you know Ooh. what? It's a lot like, uh, it, it, it will get your attention. It's like perfect to throw on in the background because it's one of those things where you'll watch it and you'll be interested, but you never have to worry about paying too much attention <laughs> because they're constantly, you know, lots of exposition dumps where they explain everything that happened in the last 10 minutes. So you it's can constantly see where ha- it's going like the entire time. Yeah. You'll <laughs> never get lost. You will yeah. never ever get lost with this movie. Um, there's no tension also because the detective, um, he's trying to pr- no, pr- prove to everyone that his, um, wife did not commit suicide, that she was in fact murdered. Um, that's actually shown in the first five minutes of the movie. Like they, they shoot. It's a long, drawn out scene where you see that it happens. So the uh, whole <laughs> it it's wasn't a, me. No, it was her. Yeah, it's, it's one of those. Like <laughs> it's one of those where, and I mean, that's not you know out of the ordinary. Like any slasher is like that, where no one believes the every like no one believes that Freddy Krueger really exists. Right? None of the adults. Oh, but uh, there's Scott like. 
Yeah, yeah. There's a payoff to all that. There's 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 a vindication in this. It's just like there's really no sense of urgency. It's never really there. You know, it's it's a lot like Butt Boy, except Butt Boy was really good in that the <laughs> the the, uh, the detective in this he's he's grizzled. He's obsessed with oh. something to a ridiculous degree. He has the you know the broken beard and all that good stuff going. All the tropes that were are in Butt Boy were actually in this movie, except in this movie. It's not a joke, but they take it very seriously. Oh, <laughs> but also, no one's cramming shit up their ass in this. Movie. <laughs> no, there's no cool payoff or anything. Oh, like that. Yeah. Um, but this is something like you know, Danny. You always have stuff in the background. Like this is something you could put yeah. in the background, and you'd be kind of like, "Oh, that was." Because I mean, Gary Cole, amazing in it. Um, actually, Sean Ashmore. Like the performances are good. They're just really generic. Like Gary Cole is, you know, creepy serial killer dude. <laughs> Um, who kind of has no motive oh, for it, I guess. <laughs> He's himself, yeah. <laughs> uh, you know, they say the typical, there is a really, really funny part in the movie. Um, it was so funny. The guy says, um, what the hell does he say? Oh, the detective is uh, questioning uh, Gary Cole, actually. he His first question is, I want you to tell me everything. And then Gary Cole starts talking. And then the detective immediately says, why are you telling me this? Which was hilarious. Nice. Because <laughs> it was so cool. But um, <laughs> yeah, it's a uh, good background stuff. And the other movie I saw, um, this is a. Uh... <laughs> It's it's very much like the um, what was that movie? Tell me I love you. Except it's from 1982, so it's Blood Tide, starring James Earl Jones. It's a, a horror movie about uh, it's set in um, Greece, actually, super beautiful on a Greek island. But it, it's about a treasure hunter who accidentally awakens a monster from the deep. The people on this island they're very superstitious, and they think the only way they can appease the um, monsters by sacrificing virgins so they're gonna do that so it's pretty cool like that's, that's you know lovecraftian yeah, yeah super eight centuries old plot and you know with horror like you don't have to uh renovate the wheel you can totally <laughs> stick with that with old uh, and it's really like horror fans are super forgiving and they're just they're really good tropes that they, in, in that genre so they can be fun um the thing with this movie that they do and uh well first i'll get to why it, well yeah let's talk about what they do wrong real quick so it's um it's straight to the point it should be right you know gotta sacrifice virgins on this crazy island in order to appease this monster they go into all these weird subplots with well they're not weird they go into these subplots of character development which isn't necessary in this type of movie um where you know like there's a thing with a brother and a sister that they're really trying to build uh how much that they miss each other and how the sister may have to sacrifice herself to this monster and james earl jones who's by far the highlight of this movie he's awesome he's a drunken treasure hunter who has a knack for quoting shakespeare and talking to himself but um he also has this weird relationship with various women on on the island and they spend lots of time building all this stuff to where like there's religion involved in it there's the the people on the island are keeping the main the main characters hostage because they feel they, they think that the monster wants them there like a whole lot going on and it kind of you kind of forget that there's a, sometimes you forget what, what it's all about like, i feel you so forget lost that there's a you get lost really quick, really quick. So this movie does have El Paso's own Lydia Cornell in it. Um, for those who don't know who that is, um, you can Google it. Or if you watch Too Close for Comfort, you will definitely remember her. Uh, Sarah Rush. <laughs> like She's uh, she's Chrissy, essentially. Uh, so if you're a fan of Chrissy Snow, then you'll love Lydia Cornell. Uh, um, they also had Deborah Shelton, who was on Dallas. Uh, she was Miss America, runner-up for Miss Universe. Lots of girls in bikinis is basically what this movie was going for. 
it's beautiful to look at. Uh, setting. Uh, oh, Martin Cover, the sweep the leg from Karate Kid is also in it. Very star studded. <laughs> yeah, it, yeah, very much so. Uh, it's a fun movie, but it could have been a whole lot more fun. It just it, it does lose its way. It's very slow uh, for a, a monster movie about you know sacrificing virgins. Surprisingly slow. It's worth a watch. I, I mean, I wouldn't go out of my way to see it, but if, you know, if you find it, I mean, James Earl Jones, awesome. Awesome, awesome, awesome. But uh, that's all I saw this week. You know, I don't... I, I was trying to rack my head what I, else I watched, but I guess the only thing that comes out to mind is Project Greenlight on HBO. This came out 2015, and this is the second time I'm watching it, because I guess I like... Well, Damn, you know that I really that I like... better to do, huh? Yeah. <laughs> uh, so th- this... Uh, I'm not sure if you guys remember Project Greenlight when it first came out, yeah. but this is a show uh, funded by... Uh, Ben Affleck and Matt Damon, and uh, I think this one also had the Fairley brothers, uh, who wrote uh, a script called for for this show called uh, "Not Another Pretty Woman." And uh, the, how this show works is that they get a writer and they get a director, and they, depending on what season it is, they, they focus on that said thing. So this year they focus for this season they focused on the director, and this guy has to be the most. Oh, I, I even lost the name, like the word, like so, like so arrogant and so like full of himself. Mind you, the kid just pretentious. Read, pretentious, yeah. He he A just filmmaker? read. <laughs> yeah, uh, I have trouble believing he, that. <laughs> he just he just graduated from college and with you know he got his film degree Ugh. and everything. So college boy, huh? <laughs> <laughs> Fuck this guy. Uh, but he ended up like winning this whole thing and he's like he tells right after he wins the the competition he's like he tells ben and matt ben affleck and matt damon can i use film and he was they're like uh yeah sure we can do this but there's producers and a bunch of tommy was so no god i wish but he was like saying that how this film needed to be like done on film because it's so important to him and this producer's it was so like it's such a train wreck of a show that I was just at the end. Of, What's like, the guy's was, name? What's the guy's uh, name? Say it. Name, the guy's name is Jason Mann, and the reason why I had to see what else he's done, like in since 2015, he hasn't directed anything else since then for a movie for HBO, and the guy did like three thousand. No, I'm sorry, three million dollars. Like he had, like you know, like I think the they only started with three hundred thousand dollars, and then he somehow like it shoot up, shot up to this like amount. Because Ben Affleck and Matt Damon put like a, a million dollars each into this. But HBO was like, no, no, don't let the stars pay the money. We'll take the backing. And it was just like this. Everything that he did, like just kind of like pushed back the movie to be. I haven't seen the movie yet. I I just, I don't know. I think I don't want to <laughs> hate the movie or whatever. What's the name of the movie again? Uh, Leisure Class. And uh, but so even then, like he, he, he wanted to fire the writer. Uh, he had the Fairley brothers, like the Fairley brothers were so frustrated. They just ended up leaving with this guy. He's, this guy was just such a pain in the ass, such a baby about everything that he ended up, I guess, getting his own way, but he still complained for every single moment. And I just feel like as this guy, you know, graduated, he has all the backing. He still felt like he didn't have any kind of like, like he didn't have anybody like rooting for him, but I felt like everybody was rooting for him to like, do good and he's like no nobody nobody cares for me blah 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 it's a good show i really enjoyed it 
I really enjoyed it. I still need to see the movie. And it's, you know, it's been five years since this came out. And I've done the same thing. I watched the whole series and I was like, I don't have to watch the movie. And I did it again. And now I feel like, well, maybe I should watch the movie to see like to see if it came out to be any good. But I still feel like, nah, not really. I'm I'm still good. So I watched some so The Source of Shadows. This is a film you can rent on what I think I watched it on was Amazon Prime. Uh, this is a what you call an anthology horror movie, which I'm a huge fan of. Uh, I always I always I like it in in uh, book form, uh, short stories, and I always get a big kick out of these sort of things. Um, but I will say one of the major flaws of a horror anthology I there's not actually I'm thinking about there's not many other types of anthology movies one of the big problems is that the 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 direction or the just the 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 tone of each um segment won't really match you know that's one of the things great things about creep show is like they always they kind of have the same tone and the same uh, feel to each each uh, segment uh ties in with that way um and a lot of times in these especially in these modern ones like uh what is it the abcs of death or whatever it is uh, there's so many of them that it's hard to have any cohesion. This one, um, 12 different directors, I think is... Uh, Jesus. Uh, yeah, yeah, 12 different directors. Um, so I was actually kind of apprehensive uh, at first. It's an hour 23 minutes long, so it's not too long. This does not have good ratings. I'll tell you this right now. <laughs> this does not is not a thing that I saw good ratings for, and I was like, boy, I'm going to watch this. Getting back to what I was saying, all these, all these, uh, the, the tone of all these uh, vignettes are, is very similar. It's very dark. And it all, it, it's just kind of like, um, I guess the theme would be like the unknown or just things that, uh, and, and sometimes I would say even, and this is, I would, th- I would say a great sign of like good writing, uh, even in a short thing, is that uh, several of them left me wanting more. Like I wanted, oh, I was like, fuck, it's over. No, well, I wanted more of that. Um, so I would definitely check out The Source of Shadows. Yeah, it's not got good ratings. I think it's, I think I rented it for like two or three bucks. Uh, I'd, 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 I'd pay, I'd pay it again. I'd watch it again. Uh, the how, other thing how I, long, sorry, so go, how long go, go ahead. Movie? Buck 23, an hour, 23 minutes. Oh, okay. So, so you had like maybe four or five minutes for each. Yeah. Or, well, yeah. Something like that. Probably 10 at the most, 12 at the most mm-hmm. for, for whatever it was. Yeah. And some yeah. of them are definitely longer than others. Um, but yeah, I, I actually, uh, I liked it a lot. Uh, apparently it was released at the end of April. Um, <laughs> yeah. So a new thing. Which is yeah. Good luck to anybody who released anything in this in this time of bizarre weird shit. Um, so the other thing that I watched, uh, I've actually seen it uh, promoted heavily, just in surfing around through Amazon. It's an Amazon original. Uh, it's called The Vast of Night, directed by Andrew Patterson. The basis of this, it takes place in the fifties, um, late fifties, uh, one would guess, uh, like fifty nine, fifty eight, um, in a small New Mexico town. Yes. Um, and I, one of the coolest parts about this uh, movie, I'll just say it right out the gate. I really enjoyed it. Um, it, it was kind of like, it kind of like hit a spot uh, is the best way I can put it. I didn't really know what to expect, but it kind of, it kind of, it's, it's, it's almost like magical realism. Um, it, it's got this, um, tr- like a true air of whimsy about the whole thing. Um, the two main characters are Sarah McCormick, who plays Faye Crocker and Jake Horowitz, who plays who plays Everett Sloan. And both I will say this, both these characters are like they're like awesomely like perfect. <laughs> and like yeah. sometimes sometimes writers write something or like I feel like sometimes as a writer sometimes you should just like go for it and make the make your two characters or make your main characters like as fucking perfect as you could possibly. Don't try to give them flaws or just make them cool. 
and make them right. enjoyable. And that's what this does for sure. Both these characters, super smart. They're young. They're smart. They're they have they string together these amazingly um, eloquent sentences that are super informative. And they're they're all they, they they themselves their characterization is almost fantastic. Right? It's like who who like this? Who was ever like these these two people? But. Um, <laughs> Uh, but they're cool. You, you root for them the entire time, and the whole the premise is like uh, the the one guy uh, Jake uh, Horowitz. His character is running. Uh, he's running a uh, a small local radio program in the town, and the uh, the young girl is working the switchboard uh, in the town. Again, this is in the fifties, so you're having uh, you know any calls are coming in through a direct switchboard, which you relay uh, out there. Uh, operator would actually relay out to the other things, and. Um, uh, over the uh, over the airwaves, a mysterious sound uh, kind of becomes known and is broadcasting over the airwaves, over the radio. And uh, it's confusing the one guy. It's confusing the girl. They're coming up with these ideas. And then a guy calls in uh, who says, you know, I have this story. I know where this came from. I worked on like a secret base. I think it's aliens or I don't know where they're from. They're not from here. I don't know what it is. It's not our stuff. And I never thought anybody would believe me because why would they, anybody ever believe a black guy? And I'm getting old and I might as well call you and tell you what it is, which in Whoa. turn spurs somebody else to call. And so there's this kind of, I don't want to spoil anything about it. I, like I said, I did enjoy it. It kind of, kind of sends you along this, uh, it's kind of like an old time radio drama or like an episode of Twilight Zone. Or anything like that. That's uh, so. If you're in the mood for something like that, with like this kind of like whimsical lightheartedness, shit, we could all use a little bit of that. Uh, yeah. I would highly recommend. I would highly recommend the Vast of Night. Hmm. Uh, I've heard good things about it. I've heard really good things about it. Actually, um, that's an interesting one. Um, horror anthology. You mentioned uh, anthologies. What else is there? Uh, Bible stories. There's, <laughs> <laughs> um, and and scare packages coming to Shutter. This week, I think maybe next I think week, but uh, yeah, seven seven stories, seven directors. That looks like a lot of fun. Um, so this month is Pride Month. June is Pride Month, and uh, last year we did erotic horror, and we talked about some of the um, changes that we saw over the course of our movie watching lives. So um, this this week we wanted to cover some more movies, though we kind of wanted to do different things from last year. Um, I think the three of us are in an interesting age group to where when we were young and movies first started or when we first see movies, uh, a lot of the gay characters were, um, uh, homosexuality was, was out there. I know. And they were kind of like jokes. And then over the course of the, or at least over my lifetime, it became like this, you know, after school special to where it became like really serious to where then there was like a token gay character and pretty much everything you watched to where now things are a little more like, okay, this is just a gay uh, character and that's it. Like, it's not that big of a deal anymore. So, in the course of the past, you know, four decades, there's been a lot of changes in that. So uh, we want to talk about some of the uh, LGBTQ movies that we've seen over our lifetime. So um, last year, I don't think we touched on movies about activism. The one that I think of the most, because there's so many of them, are about the the politician, Harvey Milk. Yeah, that's mm-hmm. what yeah, came to yeah. my mind first, too, yeah. The the, the one with uh, Sean Penn, uh, that one I think is really, really good. Uh, Sean Penn, for as odd as he can be, is a really good actor. <laughs> And uh, that one definitely is is worth your time. It's a really good movie. He's a good actor. It's an interesting story too. Um, very sad what ends up happening, but it, it's kind of a picture of what the country was like at that time and how we can still improve now. Honestly, even though it's set a ways back. Um, what movies did you guys think about? 
Yeah, milk for, milk was 100% the thing that came to mind for me. Yeah, like that that's the one that usually pops up uh especially when you I, I guess when you you're trying to like bring somebody into activism and what you just I'm just going to echo everything you just said, Pat. Um but it's a it's a movie that where it's all the things that we're seeing right now could still be improved on. Yeah, and the, the, honestly, there was two uh, for sure. Well, and Milk is just—it is. I, I'm not a huge Sean Penn fan, Sean Penn fan, but he's he is super great in that movie. Um, and it's definitely a story that needs to be told. Uh, and the other one that I would say came out in 1999, uh, Boys Don't Cry, which is like kind of a brutal story about yes. a, uh, a uh, I mean, unbelievably, um, a, a transgender person who um, basically tried to fit in in their community and in doing so got murdered for it and mm-hmm. it is gut-wrenching uh, a completely gut-wrenching thing and uh yeah very powerful very good performances by everybody involved uh i think it may have won an academy award or somebody involved did but um yeah uh, very good movie yeah that one that's actually before milk that's the first one i thought of and then because of the things that you mentioned about how brutal it was i was like oh i, I kind of don't want to go in that direction but you're right that's <laughs> absolute no that's that's uh that, that's hey, we're living in a world of brutality yeah. these days <laughs> We do. No, that's, I mean, that might have been why that was the first one I thought of, actually. Yeah. Um, so what are some uh, overlooked LGBTQ movies? The one that yeah. I thought of, and I, I know that uh, Danny's never seen it because of a comment he made last week. Um, Danny mentioned that he had never heard of Voguing before. So oh. I'm assuming, Danny, that you've never seen Paris is Burning. No, I've never seen it. Yeah. That documentary very heavily focuses on Vogue. It's also the first time I ever, and this came out in 95, which goes to show how far behind um, uh, or or far ahead uh, um, the LGBT community is. But uh, that's the first time I ever heard the term throwing shade was way back when. Yeah, so they. Damn, I thought that was a new thing. Ooh, boy. (laughs) (laughs) It was well, you know, I started hearing it like I don't know, like three or four years ago. Yeah, that is so weird because I remember hearing that like way back when I was a kid. Um, I mean, no one ever said I just heard it in a documentary, (laughs) but uh, no. But Paris is Burning, I think, is like very much overlooked because it's about the um, the drag culture in uh, New York. Um, and it's about you know the shows that they put together and what they do to go through it and just mm-hmm. the, how competitive it is and it's very much the um, it's very much it's revolutionary people throw that word around a lot and, it, and it's a trend center but I don't think you hear so much about it now because of um, RuPaul and mm-hmm. all the various drag reality right. shows have have uh, taken the spotlight away from Paris is Burning which in 1995 there was just nothing like that out there at all and but on top of that it's really I would say that and and, um, and this is nothing to do with LGBTQ, but that in Hoop Dreams, because they both came out like back to back years, are two very, very so good. good. <laughs> Hoop Dreams is without Hoop a doubt. Like, Hoop Dreams, uh, tangent, like uh, I've said this before. <laughs> Hoop Dreams is another reason that Forrest Gump was not the best movie that year. Oh. Forrest Gump was like the fifth best movie that year. <laughs> Just saying. <laughs> but, um, <laughs> yeah, like uh, Par- Paris is Burning is uh, criminally overlooked. Like it, I believe it's on Netflix. It was at a time I know that for sure. But um, if you haven't seen it, I mean, and uh, if, if you think what RuPaul is doing is awesome, then you will love uh, Paris is Burning. Well, I think like what RuPaul is doing is just bringing her culture, I guess, the whole culture to awareness. You know, and maybe right. 
and that and that's what it, one of the things that I like about that, like about RuPaul, and uh, we we've talked about like fucking um, to Wong Fu because that was essentially like the first times that we that this whole like drag culture, at least to me, drag culture is like coming out. I forgot there was also one where Robert De Niro played a drag queen too, and I can't even remember it. But he was like, I think like a, a under like a cop drag queen. I think I that's just how he made money in like 1988 <laughs> <laughs> to 92. Uh, was it Robert but... De Niro or Al Pacino in Serpico? Oh wait, cr- I... cruising. I get those confused. <laughs> Ooh, but, uh... <laughs> uh, but no, you know, you know, those are some of the things that and I feel like. Uh, I think there's more awareness for drag uh, for I guess for voguing because I think this year it's the second time I've heard it. Like there was an, another competition show that I heard it and I was like. Oh, okay. This is this is weird. Why have I heard about this? But uh, yeah, definitely, I'm gonna like check out Paris is Burning. I've been voguing. I'm... I've been voguing daily just because since we brought it up, just because I feel like. <laughs> <laughs> I, I, you know, I'm gonna start doing it too because I need to. Yeah. Like, I need to serve some looks here. Uh, I never also... stopped doing it once I learned about it <laughs> since 1987. <laughs> oh, uh, one, oh. I think one of the overlooked films for me is In and Out, or In or In and Out, or In or Out. I, dang it, now I can't even remember the t- movie title. The Burger. It starts. Or no, the... it's a it's a movie starring Kevin <laughs> Klein. <Burger. laughs> he is he doesn't know that he's out or how he helped out a gay youth, and he struggles with him being be, himself being gay. And uh, I feel like it takes a, a it's a comedic film but it takes itself like seriously in a, in a way that you know there's a lot of people that that struggle with it like sh- struggle about coming out and sometimes they're not you know sure if if they are or hard to even deal with it and i feel this movie yes it's comedic but it dealt with coming now especially in you know in a time where everything is like unsure and like in their mid 90s you know uh but i really do i, I think that is a, a good overlooked film I'll and kind of kind of with that kind of like well and this doesn't really I wouldn't say this is a uh, bona fide queer movie in any way really other than they gave a really cool character they made a really cool character gay and they made him gay without being stereotypically like flamboyant and that the whole like just cookie cutter gay character that you get so often is a rock and roller uh handsome bob yeah yeah i'm already uh guy ritchie man i fucking love guy ritchie and it's a kick-ass movie it's a kicked at kick-ass character and you don't ever hear about it mentioned in any of this stuff is like kind of being you know a little bit progressive in making a character that way uh so yeah i would say i mean not for it's a cool movie it's a crime crime drama crime thriller but it's got so it doesn't play gay stereotypes as you know as ridiculous as as you usually see in like major major blockbuster kind of movies right you know another one that um surprising to me well i guess it's because it's so art house but uh blue is the warmest color that one is uh it's pretty long it's like a three-hour french movie but it's about two women who fall in love and it uh really controversial because of how graphic it is um Years after the fact, it came out that the working conditions were the director was pretty rough on the the female leads, and they both, I believe, both of them. I know at least one of them has spoken out 
against how poorly he treated them. And it won a lot of awards, too. I want to say it won awards at, at the Cannes Film Festival. But um, surprisingly, it was something that uh, at the time I heard a lot about. And then I hear about when new controversies come. It's a very good movie, though. And I'm, I'm surprised that more people haven't seen it. But um, it, based on a graphic novel um, and three hours, and it, it can be pretty depressing. So that might be why people <laughs> don't really care for it, um, which kind of leads into what I want to talk about next. So, um what movies do you think are like a celebration of of the LGBT culture? Because not every movie with gay characters necessarily celebrates that lifestyle. Um, I, I don't mean celebrates like like uh, Broken Hearts Club, like all, the Broken Hearts Club are gay right. men, but um, it's not about you know celebrating the culture. It's just it's a love story. It's a rom com. It's a straight right. up rom com. Right. But um, what movies do you think are great celebrations of the LGBTQ community? Uh, my favorite one, and I'm gonna steal it from you, Danny, because you <laughs> brought it up last year. But uh, 100% Rocky Horror Picture Show. That was uh, something that I saw at a young age that uh, that kind of just, I don't know, it gave it introduced my mind into men who like to dress like women and be with men. Like, <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, that's a, that's a pretty profound idea when you, when you don't know anything about the world. And uh, yeah, I've always been really happy and proud of, of how Rocky Horror Pictures was unadulteratedly uncensored in that. And I love that. You know, and, and sticking with musicals, and I, and I don't like musicals at all. Uh, one of my favorite movies is a musical, is um, Hed, Hedwig and the Angry Inch. Oh, yeah. And Hedwig. Yeah. That, yeah, that's absolutely a celebration of it. Um, it's it's a story, and it takes them a long time. It's about, you know, the duality of man. And then he quotes, um, who is it, Plato or Aristotle? Some Greek philosopher he's constantly quoting throughout the and, – and it's really about – well, I guess you can take it how you want. But I've always taken it as someone trying to find themselves, so – Initially, he puts on the persona of Hedwig because um, that's the only way he feels comfortable. And then by the end of the movie, you know, the, the everything that he goes through, the rise and fall of his musical career, he um, I forget the name of the character of his actual name, but he's able just to be himself. And the yeah. whole movie is just about pride, you know, <laughs> and I'm, right. no pun intended, but it's very much about finding pride in oneself and just being yourself and being out there. Um, very good movie. Very, very good movie. What about you, Danny? You know, I, I guess because I've been really seeing a lot of, like, reality TV lately, it, one that I feel like that celebrates the LGBTQ and, you know, um, community is We're Here. And it's on HBO. It's, I think, like, six or seven episodes. But, it, you know, it shows how to just live your fucking best life. And it yeah. shows how, you know, different views of you know of, of especially of a drag queen to like a straight man or a cis man or whatever it it it, it resonates with a lot of people of how they tr- they're trying to learn and that is one thing that i think that we're learning you know throughout these last couple of weeks is that we're trying to learn and how to better ourselves and i think what we're what we're here is doing right now or what it did because the show's done for this season uh, i think it's it's doing that it's making sure that we understand where people are coming from, what are their fears when they're, you know, in a small town that they possibly can't maybe come out and doing this drag show is showing them that confidence. And I feel that is a good way to, to, to show, to show how proud you are of who you, who you are. And I think we're here is a really good show for that. Yeah. That's the coolest thing about pride month to be honest with you is it's, it's so much more encompassing than, than your sexuality. It's, it really is about being proud of of who you are and and what you are internally, and I uh, th- that's it's 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 super cool. 
Absolutely, and 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 along those lines, and and keeping it recent, like Danny on um, Netflix, they just came out with the documentary of Circus of Books, and I had talked about it on there. It's about the older Jewish couple mm. who they they buy a bookstore, they turn it into um, they start selling Hustler magazine, and then it becomes uh, a gay adult bookstore, and then it becomes a gay studio. They make gay pornos <laughs> there, but um, it's very much about a celebration of that culture, and over the course of and they opened it in the 60s and they just closed it last year. So over the course of a number of decades, they learn a lot about the culture. Um, one of their sons, he he um, ends up coming out. Oh, it's, it's a very – it sounds very serious, and I guess in a way that it is, but it's a very fun documentary. Um, it's a very cool outlook at how things have changed over the past few decades. But it's through the eyes of – uh, a gay adult bo- uh, bookstore shop owner so it, it's really cool it's definitely worth watching um what suggestions would you guys have from the lgbtq community what, what what's the what are the best queer films out there Ooh, i'm gonna i'm gonna take it way way back i'm gonna take you to the way back machine so uh i and like I, mostly because i feel like it, it really deserves some some and he deserves some credit for being a way ahead of his time uh glenn or glinda ed wood oh. edward d wood jr um, there is a fantastic Tim Burton movie uh, starring uh, Johnny Depp about this man. Uh, this guy, again, in 1953, made a movie called Glenn or Glenda. And it, it, it's, it's because he was a, uh, I guess what the, at the time they termed a crossdresser, a man who liked to dress in women's clothing. I just, I, I think, you know, if you'd never heard of the guy, you didn't know anything about it, they're terrible movies. He's famous for, for making virtually the worst movies ever made. So don't expect a lot. But what a progressive thing to do, and what a uh, it took some balls, <laughs> it took some balls to make that in 1953, and to lie to a bunch of people to get that made. So, uh, props to Mr. Edward Dever Jr. Danny, what do you have? I have the Birdcage, and I feel like everybody watches this movie either way, but I feel like it is a, a, a it's a couple that's trying to be to come out to be normal, but they know they can't be. And that that's a, a thing that, you know, this the whole thing is like, just be yourself. Again, it's just that. And I feel like that's what it, this whole thing, this whole Pride Month, it's at least to me, and I'm going to be completely probably wrong. But uh, yeah, just be yourself. Like, just be loud and, pr- loud and proud. And I think that's what the Birdcage has taught me over and over again. I don't know how many times I've seen the Birdcage, but it's never not funny it's a very very good pick in a very how could it movie. not be funny with all those fucking people in it man That's i sweet. know geniuses i would suggest the favorite it's not your traditional <laughs> it has a it has, has very strong themes in it it's a it's it's very very good and I, I know i've talked about that one a lot um well, we talked about this last year but i'm a huge fan of um heavenly creatures such an amazing movie uh kate winslet i think it might be her first movie ever uh directed by peter jackson um but it's not the type of movie that you would expect to see from him it's not some over-the-top gory horror movie (laughs) there's no muppets it's not (laughs) it's not set on middle earth it's very grounded based on a true story uh it's about two young girls who end up uh killing quite a number of people but um it's a love story it is a straight up love story i mean and it's cool in the essence that um in the way that a lot of love stories they deal with um manipulation and betrayal but underneath all of that there's still this strong bond of love that's there 
And it's such a good movie. I mean, I've, I don't know how many times I've seen that movie. And every single time I get the feels watching it. But uh, excellent movie. Um, again, it's streaming on Netflix or Hulu. It's somewhere out there. It's definitely worth seeing. And like uh, most of the other movies that we've mentioned on here, all of the other movies that we've mentioned on here, if you haven't seen it yet, then definitely see it. This I'm a little bit biased on because I'm a huge fan of his writing, uh, his plays, because he's actually a pretty shitty writer, but he writes some really good plays. Anything about Oscar Wilde, and any of his adaptations, like importance of being earnest, or if it's something about his life, or um, even that weird comic, um, Cerebus, there's like issues devoted to his last days. Uh, Oscar Wilde's a super interesting character, and anything that's ever done about him or his works, they're, they're passion projects always so people put their most the directors put their most into it uh the actors put their most into it and uh the writing is so so witty he's one of the wittiest he's like up there with groucho marx in just a different era always fun and again there's a sense of like frivolity to it and you can watch it and kind of oh part of pride and of this month and part of celebrating things is to kind of sometimes take you away from the shittiness of our regular world and just enjoy what we have and uh oscar wilde and his works are really good at are really good at that and uh the adapt adaptations about his life and his works are excellent so um every saturday you can find us here the rest of the week you can go to adventuresinportaste.com where you can find all our podcasts. Uh, you can find Portes Wrestling and Talking Tauntauns at our comics podcast. Uh, you can also catch up with our reviews and articles and leave your thoughts on the site. Um, right now on YouTube, we have this very show, Adventures in Movie, the, the, the quick and dirty version. You can find that on YouTube. Uh, we also have Adventures in Movies looks at dot, 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 where we look at um, lesser known films. Uh, this week we'll be looking at a documentary called Love and Stuff. Um, also on the site. There's a very, very cool article by uh, Nick. It's about what Marvel can do about the um, use of the Punisher logo by certain uh, agencies in our country. But uh, check it out. And as we're talking about these and you're listening to us, you can find Pat Nathaniel on Instagram at Nathan Portaste. Uh, You can find me, Danny, the Disney lover, on Twitter and Instagram over at default <laughs> underscore player. And you can find Blake Bloodbath on Twitter at Four Eyed Horror. That's right, ladies and gentlemen. You are too kind. Get back in your seats. Get ready. Next week, we're going to do a little game show action. It's going to be fun. Check it out. You can uh, <laughs> check us out on uh, Apple Podcasts. You can go to Spotify. You go to the website, definitely there. Uh, Stitcher, maybe, maybe not. But hey, it's always worth a shot. Uh, wherever you listen to us, just make sure to give us a rating or tell a friend to listen. And that's our cue. We will talk to you next week. Be loud and proud. Adios, everyone.